What's up? Welcome back to the Will Ford Show, episode 118. Yes, it is. Episode 118 of the Will Ford Show, and it's Championship Sunday. The NFC and the AFC Championship is going to be done today. And we played the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, squaring off Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And then we have Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes in the AFC, Kansas City Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills. Going to predict those at the end of the show. But we got Phillip Rivers, who just recently retired from the Indianapolis Colts, played for 16 years with the Los Angeles Chargers. The Pittsburgh Steelers picked up Dwayne Haskins. Deshaun Watson's future, whether or not that's with the Houston Texans or if it's with another team, it looks increasingly likely, though, that he's going to be somewhere else next season. Some NFL head coach position fillings. Going to look at those and See if we can predict one or two coaches that are really going to hit big and be stars in the league next year. And then Matthew Stafford and the Detroit Lions have decided that they're going to part ways. And that was announced yesterday. So where to for Matt Stafford? And then, of course, the NFC and AFC championship game predictions. But let's start with Phillip Rivers retiring from the NFL after 17 seasons, 16 with the Chargers the Los Angeles slash San Diego Chargers, and then the Indianapolis Colts. I think Phillip Rivers is one of the more underappreciated quarterbacks of my lifetime and probably of all time. He's fifth all time in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And one person that we really hold in high regard is someone that has incredible statistics but no Super Bowl rings, is Dan Marino. Dan Marino is in the Hall of Fame. Phillip Rivers, fifth all-time on the passing touchdown list right here in front of me. He's in front of Dan Marino. Granted, it's by one touchdown, 421 to uh, 420, and I believe these stats are up to date. If they're not, Phillip Rivers has probably got a couple more. It says through 2020, so it wouldn't be including the playoffs, I'm assuming, but he is above Dan Marino all-time in passing touchdowns. Passing yards, let's look at that real quick on Pro Football Reference. I mean, he's got over 2,000 more yards passing in about the same amount of years played. So, I, like, Phillip Rivers is higher than Dan Marino in those two categories. He's got the numbers to back it up. Doesn't have a Super Bowl, and neither does Dan Marino. Phillip Rivers did play in an AFC Championship game against the New England Patriots without an ACL. Uh, Dan Marino, I believe, got to a Super Bowl but did not win it in 1985 against the San Francisco 49ers, and they lost. And uh, yeah, so he did get to a Super Bowl. Phillip Rivers did not, but Phillip Rivers was one game away from one. I think you got to put Phillip Rivers in the Hall of Fame, without a doubt. I, I think he is one of the top 10 or 15 quarterbacks of all time, given the passing yardage, the passing touchdowns. And we kind of bagged on Phillip Rivers for the interceptions he threw late in games in his career. And so we kind of think of him as someone who throws a lot of interceptions. He's 24th. In most interceptions thrown, he's thrown 209. But Drew Brees thrown, he's thrown 243. Dan Marino 
through 252, and he's eighth on this list. Brett Favre, number one with 336 interceptions, far and away uh, the most interceptions in league history. I, I think Phillip Rivers is accurate, moves the ball down the field, lots of touchdowns, won a lot of games, got to an AFC championship, played hurt. Also, one of the best trash talkers in league history, too. I know when he announced his retirement, you see all the videos that SportsCenter posted on their Instagram page of Phillip Rivers just trash-talking opponents. Plus, he's also extremely smart. He knows on there's a video of them playing against the Texans, and someone was lined up on defense where they don't usually play, and they weren't supposed to be there. And Phillip Rivers called it out. He knew that that person wasn't supposed to be there. So, like, incredibly smart person, great trash-talker. He also has nine kids, by the way. That probably factored into his decision. They're all probably getting to the age of playing sports themselves. I know a couple of them are probably still little babies or toddlers, though. But, yeah, Philip Rivers done after 17 years. I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. If Dan Marino's in the Hall of Fame, I think he should. He's got better numbers. Granted, he didn't make it to a Super Bowl. But he's one of the three most underappreciated quarterbacks of my lifetime. Philip Rivers and the other two, I think, are Tony Romo and Carson Palmer. Now, a lot of you may roll your eyes at Tony Romo, and I'm a little biased as I'm a, I'm a Cowboys fan, but I mean, Tony Romo, we want to look at the passes intercepted because we, we talk about Tony Romo, too, of not being clutch late in games. Passes intercepted. Tony Romo is way down on this list. He's below Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman is 69th on the list, tied for 69th with 141 interceptions. And if we go all the way down to Tony Romo, he has 117, and he's inside the top 100 around 94, 95. He's tied. I mean, Tony Romo hasn't thrown that many interceptions compared to other quarterbacks. Granted, he didn't play as long, Injury kind of sidelined his career, but we also look at fourth quarter comebacks playing in the clutch. Phillip Rivers is 10th on this list with 29. Tony Romo, 18th with 24. Uh, And if you're also looking for Carson Palmer, he's 24th on the list with 22 fourth quarter comebacks. We move over to passing yards again and passing touchdowns. Let's start off with passing yards. And of course, Tony Romo is not going to be extremely high on this list. Didn't play as long as a lot of other guys in the league because of injury. But Tony Romo is 34th with 34,000 passing yards. And Carson Palmer in the top 15 with 46,000. I mean, look at that. Carson Palmer as well in passing touchdowns is, I believe, in the top 15. And he is... He's 13th with 294, Tony Romo 24th with 248. I think Tony Romo is a top 25 quarterback all time, and if you put Carson Palmer in the conversation, I think he's a top 15 quarterback given these numbers. Phillip Rivers is definitely in the top 15. I I really think those three guys are the most underappreciated quarterbacks of all time. They don't have... The playoff wins, I believe Carson Carson Palmer did make it to an NFC championship. Phillip Rivers did. Tony Romo, unfortunately, did not. 
they might have had that Des Bryant catch against the Green Bay Packers in 2014 been ruled a catch. They might have made it to an NFC championship. We don't know. We never will know. But Roma only has the two playoff wins. I get it. Carson Palmer doesn't have a ton of playoff wins under his belt. And Phillip Rivers doesn't, for that matter, either. But I think they're the three most underappreciated quarterbacks of my lifetime, given their statistics, the impact they had on their teams. Carson Palmer played for three teams, the Bengals, the Raiders, and then went to the Arizona Cardinals and they made it to an NFC championship. Love Carson Palmer, love Phillip Rivers, and I love Tony Romo. I think they're wildly underappreciated, underrated, and they're also three of my favorite quarterbacks of all time too, but just because of the way they play, but I think they're underrated as well, and I think Philip Rivers should get in the Hall of Fame. Carson Palmer should be in the Hall of Fame at some point in his career. Philip Rivers may not be a first ballot, but probably a second ballot. Carson Palmer, I think, will eventually get in. Tony Romo, I don't think is ever going to get in because I don't think people really understand Tony Romo. I think because of that botched hold against the Seahawks in 06, I just I don't think they're ever going to let that go. They... And people think he's not clutch. He is. I just read you the statistic. And when Tony Romo played from 2006 to 2015 or 16, it would have been 2016, Romo during that span led the league in fourth quarter comebacks. So now Romo was in the league, I believe, since 2003, but he wasn't drafted and sat for a couple years. Didn't get his first start until 06 when he took over for Drew Bledsoe. But I think those three, Rivers, Palmer, Romo, three most underrated quarterbacks of all time. And I think given their statistics, have arguments for the Hall of Fame, Philip Philip Rivers especially. Now, moving over to Pittsburgh and the Steelers. They picked up Dwayne Haskins about a week ago. And I'm not really too sure how I feel about it. We know Ben Roethlisberger is coming back probably for just one more season. I thought he was going to be done after this year, but he's coming back. And Dwayne Haskins is going to sit behind Ben Roethlisberger for presumably just one season. He signed to a one-year deal, so Pittsburgh would have to see a lot in him in order to keep him. But Big Ben is not very good at, at being a mentor to other quarterbacks on his team and kind of grooming those guys. I mean, when the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph in the third round a couple of years ago, he wasn't really on board with it. He said, I I don't really know how a guy who's going to sit at second, third, or fourth on the QB depth chart is going to help us win right now. And he has a point, but he's never expressed a willingness to groom his successor because he knows he's only got one year left. He's done after this year. And I don't think he liked how this year ended Starting off 11-0 and then you lose you know, your last couple games of the year and then you get whooped by the Cleveland Browns throwing three interceptions. You have the snap over the head. First play from scrimmage in the game for a touchdown. Big Ben didn't want to end that way. And Dwayne Haskins, if he fits, if he learns enough, if he matures, after next year, he's probably going to be the next guy now it it really depends on his development he could be the next franchise quarterback I doubt it though I think he's more than likely just going to be a transition piece 
for a year between Big Ben and the next franchise quarterback. So Pittsburgh is going to use Dwayne Haskins with the thought process that they're not going to be a good team. It's not tanking because they're not trying to lose. Obviously, you're going to try to win with Dwayne Haskins, but given what he's shown you in the first couple years, probably not going to win you a lot of games. Steelers get a good draft pick. They can draft a quarterback. And all is right in the world again in Pittsburgh. That's my thought. But I view Dwayne Haskins as a transition piece for a year if he fits. Because Big Ben is going to be done after next year. Now this Deshaun Watson stuff. It gets heavier and heavier for the Texans by the day. Deshaun Watson wants out. And he he doesn't care who the next head coach is for the Houston Texans. He doesn't care if it's Eric Bieniemy or whoever. He he wants out. And I understand because that organization is poorly run by Cal McNair. And right now they're probably the laughing stock of the league. I, I totally get why Watson wants out because right now he's entering his prime. He's getting ready to enter his prime. He's still really young. And really, you don't hit your prime as a quarterback probably until you're 30. But like, But Deshaun Watson is really good. The way he can extend plays with his legs, he can run with it, good arm, accurate, he's good. We'll just say that. And the two teams at the top of his list, the New York Jets and the Miami Dolphins, I think he prefers the New York Jets because he wanted the Texans to bring in Robert Sala from the San Francisco 49ers. He's the former defensive coordinator there. He really wanted Sala to be the next head coach. Of course, that didn't happen because he went to the Jets. So he would, it seems he prefers to go to the Jets. I don't know how, I don't think that's the best place for Watson though. I think it's the Dolphins because you have a better coach right now in Brian Flores. We don't know if Sala is going to pan out. So we can't say that Sala is a good coach, bad coach, great coach, whatever. We know Brian Flores is a great coach. And in two years of rebuilding with the Dolphins, they've come a hair away from the playoffs. Haven't made it there yet, but rebuilding is a hard thing to do in in the NFL, and Flores has done it masterfully. I think Deshaun Watson should want to go there because it's the more playoff-ready roster. They've already spent a lot of money on the defense. The defense is going to be fine. It's one of the highest-scoring defenses in the league this past season. On offense, you got a nice running back in Miles Gaskin, who's young. Offensive line may not be as good. It's probably better than what's in Houston, but they're they're building that offensive line. You have Devontae Parker, who is a legitimate number one. I think they would benefit, though, from getting another wide receiver, maybe in the draft. But if you're going to trade for Deshaun Watson, you're probably going to have to trade that number one pick. That number three pick that the Texans have, I would give it back to Houston and I would throw in Tua Tagovailoa and any other picks that Houston wants because I think you bring in Deshaun Watson, you're immediately, immediately a contender in the AFC. Forget good team, they're a great team and could knock off anybody in the AFC and make it to an AFC championship and win it. I really think so. They need Deshaun Watson. They're really a quarterback away because Tua doesn't really move the ball down the field. He's accurate, doesn't turn it over, but he throws for like 100 yards a game. 
And I, I think that can work though. It's it just it's he's gonna have to be a volume passer to be successful in the league because you can't rely on the defense all the time. You, you got to be able to move the ball, otherwise your defense is out there for the majority of the game. You can't control the ball. No time of possession. I really think Deshaun should want to go to Miami. I think it's the most playoff ready roster. You can step in and your team can win straight off the rip. But if you're the Jets. You have to be extremely aggressive because the Jets got a lot of picks, I believe five picks in the Seahawks trade shipping off Jamal Adams. You don't trade for all those picks just to you know sit on them. You got to trade a couple of those first round picks and if not all of them and go get Deshaun Watson. If you're the Jets, you probably have the most to offer with all of those picks. And I think that might be Really enticing for Houston. Miami can give you Tua, but you've already seen what Tua can do a little bit. And with no offensive line in Houston and a, a poor running game, I don't know if Houston wants to do that. I I mean, you know what Tua is, and you know what he has a chance to be, so maybe you roll the dice on it. But honestly, getting the four or five first-round picks might be, it might be even more worth it because you can spend those draft picks on other positions. You can keep, you can have the number whatever pick. It would be the number two pick from New York and you can get Justin Fields or you can get Tua. So I I don't know. I think the best place for Watson though is the Miami Dolphins, but the Jets without a doubt need him more because the Dolphins can win now. Tua is still developing, but the Jets They need to change that culture. Over to the head coaching vacancies now that have been filled in the NFL. We've had a handful. Six head coaching positions have been filled. The New York Jets, Atlanta Falcons, Jacksonville Jaguars, Philadelphia Eagles, Detroit Lions, Los Angeles Chargers. Robert Sala, like I mentioned, went to the New York Jets, former defensive coordinator for the 49ers. Arthur Smith went to the Falcons from the Titans. He was the offensive coordinator there. Offensive coordinator there. Urban Meyer stepped out of the broadcasting realm with Fox Sports and went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, wins everywhere he goes. Nick Sirianni, a guy that no one even heard of a couple days ago, former offensive coordinator for the Indianapolis Colts, is going to the Eagles. Dan Campbell to the Lions, and he is defensive coach for the Saints. Lady was the linebackers coach. And then Brandon Staley to the Chargers, former Rams coordinator defensively. On average, only one or two coaches out of the, you know, six, seven, eight coaches that are hired per year really pan out for teams. So based on that knowledge, we have six positions filled here. Who are the two that I think are going to pan out, if not immediately, you know, in a season or two, given the roster, the system, and everything going on? I really think Brandon Staley can work out with the Chargers because I think it's a really good roster. And you have Justin Herbert, who just lit it up last year, easily going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year in the NFL. He's going to be a stud for the next 10, 12, 15 years. Now, you need to work that offensive line a little bit. It's an aging O-line, but it did all right last season. 
defensively, when you get Derwin James healthy, Joey Bosa, I think the defense can be good. They just got to stay healthy. That's their problem defensively is that Derwin James can't stay on the field. So if you can beef up that offensive line in the draft and you stay injury free, I think Brandon Staley can work out immediately because it's a really good roster. You got a really good quarterback for the next decade. The other one, in my opinion, that I think is going to have an immediate impact and it's going to be an, an entire culture shock is Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars because he wins everywhere he goes. He's a program builder. Went to Bowling Green, won Utah, won Florida, won a national championship. Ohio State won a national championship. With the 11 draft picks, the $75 million in cap space, he can change that team into a winner right away. You draft Trevor Lawrence with the number one pick, and then, I don't know, maybe you use some of your other picks that you have and trade for a star offensively or defensively. I don't know what you do with it. Or you can just use all those picks. They've got a really good offensive line, but you could draft a receiver with the 25 pick. They have five picks in the first three rounds, four in the first two rounds. I mean, the world is their oyster when it comes to the draft here in 2021. So Urban Meyer can really change everything. And like I said on the last show, I think the Jaguars in a year, after a year, you know, give them two, three years. I think they can be a really, really good team. I really think they can. It's also really interesting, though, with the news out about Deshaun Watson. I don't know, maybe do the Jags consider trading that number one pick to Houston for Deshaun Watson? I probably wouldn't, given Trevor Lawrence's draft stock, and he's one of the most hyped quarterbacks in NFL draft history, probably one of the best prospects ever. I I wouldn't do it, but it's probably a, a conversation that the Jags have had even if they didn't entertain it for that long, I'm sure they probably at least briefly mentioned it. Interesting what you can do with those 11 picks and all that money. I think they need to bring in another receiver. If you bring Allen Robinson back, oh my goodness, the Jags would be really good. And you have an undrafted running back in James Robinson who can torch defenses. I think it's, I think the Jags, no brainer, are going to be really good here in a couple years similar to what Brian Flores has done with the Miami Dolphins. Now, coaches that I I think can be successful, but it's just not going to happen right away. Robert Sala with the Jets, I think he should have gotten a job a while ago. I think he'll work out eventually. Uh, Arthur Smith with the Falcons, I don't really know because he's an offensive coach, but offense isn't really their problem. Matt Ryan is fine. Julio Jones is injury prone, but he's fine. Calvin Ridley's fine. Todd Gurley's a is all right. They maybe can do with another running back, but offensively is not their issue. It's on the defensive side of the ball. So once you figure out what you're going to do defensively, you probably need to spend all your draft picks on the defense if I'm Arthur Smith. But the Falcons have kind of been a mediocre franchise ever since that Super Bowl loss to the Patriots. So I, I don't know. The offense is going to be fine for Atlanta. It has been. Defensively, though, they need to figure it out. Nick Sirianni with the Philadelphia Eagles will not work. It will not work. He's actually purging Frank Reich's staff in Indianapolis. He's bringing over assistant coaches from there to fill his staff, which is smart. I mean, it's comfortable. You know what you want to do. But the reason why I don't think this is going to work because of the management in place in Philadelphia, Jeff Lurie and Howie Roseman, the owner and the general manager, are control freaks. 
and they want a yes man. Doug Peterson was not that with the Eagles. He really wanted to do his own thing, but just didn't have the power. They they didn't empower him to do what he wanted to do with the Eagles. And so it probably that that led to his firing because they didn't want because Doug didn't want to do what they wanted to do. And so his vision didn't line up with theirs. And that's why he's gone. I think Doug Peterson will eventually get a job somewhere else. If he's not a head coach, maybe he's going to be a offensive coordinator. I don't know. But Nick Sirianni is going to be a yes man for Lurie and Roseman because he's a young coordinator. This is his first head coaching gig. He's not going to ask for all the power right away. And he's not in a position to do that. So Nick Sirianni is going to give in on any personnel suggestions. They wouldn't even be suggestions on any personnel moves. It's not going to matter. Nick Sirianni is not going to object to anything because he's got a head coaching gig. And he's a younger coach too, so he really doesn't have any kind of leverage. I don't think the Eagles are going to be very good this year. And they were really set up for success after their Super Bowl win, but they got a little cocky partied a little too hard, got a little complacent, and this is where they are. Poorly run franchise with two power-hungry men at the top. It's kind of similar to a Jerry Jones in Dallas. That's why Dallas, for the last 25, 26 years, has been a laughing stock. Sirianni will not work in Philly. It's going to be pretty ugly for the next couple of years for the Eagles. And then another guy that I don't think is going to work is Dan Campbell with to the New Orleans Saints. And I guess this is going to kind of bleed into Matt Stafford and Detroit parting ways. If Matt Stafford was staying, let's say they never had this conversation and Stafford was going to be their quarterback next season, Dan Campbell would not be the right coach for him. Matt Stafford needs an offensive coach because the offense is what stinks for Detroit. And they've got some really good pieces. You know, Kenny Galladay out wide, Marvin Jones, they drafted DeAndre Swift from Georgia, but they need someone on on the offensive side of the ball to be the head coach to really make use of Matt Stafford's talent. Because I think Matt Stafford, outside of Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, might be the third most talented quarterback in the entire league. I mean, Matt Stafford does all the sidearm throws, and it doesn't get talked about. The sidearms, no lookers. Patrick Mahomes gets talked about all the time with that stuff. Matt Stafford did it before it was cool. But nobody wants to talk about it because the Lions are poorly run and have had terrible coaching. I mean, ever since Matt Stafford lost Calvin Johnson to retirement, the Lions have been irrelevant, and Matt Stafford's been irrelevant. Matt Stafford needs to go somewhere where... He's got an offensive coach, a good offensive line to keep him protected and healthy because Matt Stafford has struggled with injuries because he hasn't had a good offensive line. And he needs some weapons. And he's got some okay ones in Detroit. I mean, he's got TJ Hawkinson at tight end. He was really good this year. And then you have Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay. But those guys kind of have some injury struggles. I think the best place for him to go, and this team just lost their quarterback, they're going to need to figure something out. Indianapolis Colts, because they they don't really like Jacoby Brissett. They rolled with him for a year. They didn't really like it. He'll probably stay there as a backup. He's okay. He can win you a game as a backup, but 
he's not their guy moving forward. You bring in Matt Stafford, that is an AFC championship team right away. Right away. You have the best offensive line in the league, maybe top two if you want to throw in the Cleveland Browns. You have Jonathan Taylor, Marlon Mack, Christian Wilkins, and Naheem Hines. Four capable running backs. Jonathan Taylor's probably the lead back. He had a 200-yard game at the end of the year. A really good running game. You have T.Y. Hilton, who had a down year with Phillip Rivers out wide, but Matt Stafford's got a better arm than Rivers, and Hilton's probably going to be really good, really effective. Michael Pittman, as a rookie, really came on. I think he's your number two. Listen, maybe if they get one more wide receiver, listen, Matt Stafford with the Colts would be fire. Other teams that could maybe vie for his services, it'd have to be via trade. The San Francisco 49ers would work 100% because I don't know how the 49ers feel about Jimmy Garoppolo. But the thing is, though, they don't win when Jimmy Garoppolo is not in the lineup. And more often than not, they win when he's in the lineup. So it just depends on his his injuries. I mean, how do you, how do you feel about his injuries? Because he gets hurt a lot. Do the Dallas Cowboys maybe try and pursue him? Because Dak Prescott is a free agent. You're going to have to either let him walk or you're going to tag him again or you're going to sign him to a long-term deal. How does Dallas feel about Dak moving forward? Do they bring in Matt Stafford? That would be really interesting. As a Cowboys fan, I'm not a proponent of that. I wouldn't do it because I really like Dak and his upside. He would have led the league in passing yards this year had he not gotten hurt. The Chicago Bears, I think, would love to trade for him, but the Lions aren't going to just trade him to a division rival. The New England Patriots, I'm sure, would be really interested, but that's not exactly a winning situation, and Matt Stafford's going to pick where he wants to go. He's going to have his top three choices, and it better be one of those top three. Detroit owes that to him. That's really it. I think the top three options for Matt Stafford are the Indianapolis Colts. That's clear-cut number one. I think San Francisco would be number two. They've got a lot of young weapons a wide receiver, a really good defense with Solomon Thomas and Nick Bosa coming back next year. That would be number two. I think Dallas would be number three. You got all those weapons on offense with Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb. Dalton Schultz came on at tight end in Blake Jarwin's absence. You still have Zeke. I don't love Zeke, but you still have him. The offensive line is going to be healthy next year. And if I had to put a fourth, the fourth is probably the Washington football team. Ron Rivera, I think, would love to bring in Matt Stafford to pair with Terry McLaurin, Antonio Gibson at tailback. That's probably option number four. So Indianapolis Colts, San Francisco 49ers, Dallas Cowboys, Washington football team for Matt Stafford. I'm really intrigued by this. This is going to be probably the number one topic of conversation throughout the offseason. Check that. Number two, Deshaun Watson will be number one. Where does he go? Matt Stafford, number two. Really, really interesting. Well, that'll wrap things up for episode 118 of the Will Ford Show. NFC and AFC Championship predictions. And the NFC, Bucks, Packers, it's really cold in Green Bay today. Snowing. Antonio Brown is out for Tom Brady, and I labeled him as one of my keys a week ago. So I don't know how I feel about Tom Brady and the Bucks. I think they're going to have to run the football in this weather to have a chance. 
Green Bay doesn't have the best run defense in the world, so running the football is going to have to be their game. But I think Aaron Rodgers is just too much. Going to be the MVP this year. In that weather, he's going to be much more comfortable. Tom Brady can play in that weather too, but I think the team for Green Bay is going to be more comfortable. Aaron Rodgers is going to go to his second Super Bowl. On the AFC side, Mahomes is back, clear from concussion protocol, but the turf toe is a legitimate issue, and he might need surgery at the end of the season. And the Buffalo Bills defense, very opportunistic, great situationally. This game smells like an upset. It really, really does. And I would not be surprised. But I said last week that if Patrick Mahomes was playing, I would give the edge to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that's what I'm going to do. Green Bay Packers versus the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl in a couple weeks. But I would not be surprised if the Bills won. And here's the thing also about the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Red zone efficiency to to close out the year offensively. For the entire regular season, Kansas City was about middle of the league in red zone efficiency, 59%. In their last three games, about 60%. And that's not very good. They are not converting in the red zone like some of these other teams, like Green Bay, 78%. Cleveland at 73%. I mean, Buffalo's even ahead them ahead of them at 62% for the season, but over the last three games, 87%. So Buffalo is hot right now on offense. Kansas City, a little cold. And they were 40% in the last game. So I, I don't know. Uh, that means a lot, especially to betters in Vegas. That means, that means a lot when you can't convert in the red zone. I'm going to go with Kansas City because they can win in multiple ways. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to be back. He's playing. So I I think I think Kansas City is going to come out on top, but I really would not be surprised if Buffalo wins given how hot they've been on offense and how cold Kansas City has been in terms of punching the ball in the end zone when they get inside the 20. Kansas City versus Green Bay in the Super Bowl. Thanks for tuning in to episode 118 of WFS, The Will Ford Show. Follow the show on Twitter at The Will Ford Show. Follow me on Instagram at Will Ford Show. Rate and review the show on iTunes. Like and comment on SoundCloud. You can also subscribe on SoundCloud as well. And then check out my radio show on WMCO 90.7. You can also get the free WMCO app or on orbitmediaonline.com 6 to 7.30 every Tuesday during the spring semester at Muskingum University. Talk sports throughout the show. Play a lot of music as well, but various points throughout the show. I talk about topics and sports. So tune into that every week, Tuesday, 6 to 7.30 p.m. on WMCO 90.7, Muskingum University Radio. And I'll see you in the next episode. This is WFS, The Will Ford Show. 